Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. Philippians chapter 1 says this. Who's ready for, for the word this morning? This is our headline passage for Vision Sunday in this vision season. But Paul's talking to the church in Philippi. He says this about them. He's speaking about them, their faith in God, their belief in the Messiah, their their, um, their realization of their need for Jesus. And this is what he says. He says, every time you cross my mind, he's speaking to the church, I break out in exclamations of thanks to God, each exclamation a trigger to prayer. I find myself praying for you with a glad heart. I am so pleased that you have continued on in this with us, believing and proclaiming God's message from the day you heard it right up to the present. So he's saying there's longevity to their faith. He's saying there's a, there's a sense of this is something that's continuing on in you. It's not just something you just heard and you let go of, or it's just not something that was just like an emotional decision, but this is a deep-rooted, embedded revelation of who Jesus is to you. Isn't that cool that we can have that when we say yes to Jesus? It's just not something, it's just not some emotional decision. But we let him deep into it, inside of us, into our hearts, and he changes us. And he goes on. He says, There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. So we're going to start a brand new series today. And um, what we're going to do is we're going to take our Vision Sunday theme and we're going to create a preaching series out of it. And we're going to look at why the future is so good. Why the future in Jesus, in Christ Jesus, and this continuing work that he's doing in us is so good. And so the title of the message this morning, if you're taking notes, is this. The future has never looked so good for our world. Part one, for our world. The future has never looked so good for the world we live in. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. Father, we thank you for the power of your word, Lord, as always. Lord, we stand on it. It's eternal. It lasts forever. It's like nothing else. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you've given it to us, Lord. The, the, the pages of our Bible, Lord, they're not just, it's not just a book, Lord, with chapters and verses, Lord, but it's living, it's breathing, it speaks to us, God. It changes our lives. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. Show us, reveal more of the Father to us, Lord. Heal us. Help us to understand more of who we are in Christ this morning. And God, we thank you that because of your purpose and your grace, Lord, the future has never looked so good for us. It's never looked so good for our city. It's never looked so good for for the people that call this part of the world home. It's never looked so good for our kids. It's never looked so good for our marriages, our relationships, our prospects. Father, we just thank you that in Christ Jesus, our future is secure, but it is good. In Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. Amen. Our world is amazing. Our world is pretty incredible. I love the world. I love how diverse the world is. I love how there's different places you can go in the world that are a whole lot different to the way we have our world here. We can travel to different places in the world and see different things. Last year, I went to Bogota, Colombia. And... uh, I went, went on a trip with Compassion, 
And uh, Compassion International does an amazing work. We're a partner church of Compassion International. But I went down to, was invited to go on a trip with a bunch of pastors to see a couple of different Compassion projects. Is everyone familiar with Compassion? The, the amazing organization that's literally changing the lives of millions and millions of children all over the world. And I got to go to Colombia. It was the very first time I'd ever been to, um, to that part of the world. And I was just blown away. I was just blown away by just how different it was and the culture and the people and all kinds of things. And I just was just reminded by God of just how amazing our world is, how diverse it is, how amazing it is. But when it comes to our world, even though it is pretty amazing, there's never been a better time, I believe, than now to preach the gospel to the world. To take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that changes our lives, not just in this life, but for eternity, to the world. There's never been a better time. If you think about it, the future has never looked so good for our world. The future has never looked so good for our world to see lives changed for Jesus. So our world is amazing. But we have a duty as children of God when it comes to our world. Did you know that? I wonder if you've ever considered that. You might think, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. We actually have a duty. We have a responsibility in our world to do certain things. A few of them are this, to recognize, first of all, that when it comes to our world, that this, this world that we have, it's not our world, it's God's world. It's His. Scripture makes it clear that God, He created the world. Just go to the very front of your Bible. He created the world. It's His. He owns it all. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the beasts of the forest. He owns the mountaintops. He owns the valleys. He owns the buildings. He owns everything. It's His. But we've got to recognize that it's His, but... He's also called us to steward the earth well. He's called us to steward our world well, whatever that looks like for us. To acknowledge the environment that we're in. To understand the urgency of the times that we live in. Think about it, the world. So you could so easily just detach yourself from that thinking, just to, to take yourself away from it and just say, well, I'm just doing my thing over here. But no, the world needs God. The world, there is an urgency, there is a sense of urgency that God has placed in our lives, in our time, in our generation for what we are walking through from where we are at to understand that God needs, sorry, the world needs God. The world needs God. There's an urgency to our times. And it's so important that we understand that when it comes to our world. But the world continues to decay. The world continues to be ridded by sin. The world continues on in its fallen state. We live in a world that is lost, dying, broken, tired, and in need of Jesus. That's our world. Whole countries are divided. Problems persist. Divides deepen. Issues seem to become greater in the world today. People are divided. Wedges are being driven between people. But here's the point, is that leads me to a place to think, man, the world has never been more ripe for the gospel. The world has never been in a better place to receive the gospel of grace. The future has never looked so good for our world. The right gospel is what the world needs. The world has never been more primed to receive Jesus. I believe we're living in a time where people are hungry for the gospel message. That they're hungry, hungry for not just 
a gospel, but the right gospel, the correct gospel, the gospel that, that Paul talks about in Galatians chapter 1. He talks about the correct gospel, not a gospel that has been uh, spoken of that, that adds certain other things to it. No, the right gospel. I want to read it to you. It's in uh, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 11 in the New Living Translation. Paul says, Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from no human source and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. What is the true gospel? It's a free and clear gospel, but it penetrates the heart of people. That's why in our world today, I believe the future has never looked so good for our world because if people can catch the direct revelation of who Jesus is for themselves, everything changes. And the future all of a sudden opens up and looks good. Our world is ready for this message. Our world has never been more ready, I believe, than right now, right here, right now. But this is why our church exists. This is why God has called us to this place. It's not so we can just have a nice, comfortable Christian situation and sing Christian karaoke on a Sunday morning. For real. It's not so we can just have a nice, comfortable thing for ourselves. Have a club, membership, exclusivity. You know, that's the complete antithesis of what the gospel is. The gospel is open and inclusive. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for whoever says yes to Jesus. They can come in. It's not about padding up something nice for ourselves or making a nice clean space for us to just enjoy what we have. The gospel is for everyone. and It's our job to take it to the world. That's why our church exists. The gospel is intended to bring people under one name. I love that about the gospel. I love that that it's totally not exclusive, completely not exclusive. It's completely inclusive. But there's only one condition of the gospel that comes under one name. One name, the name of Jesus. Everyone comes under that name. We lift up that name and we all, we all gather. Have you ever thought about this when it comes to the gospel? Is People think, oh, well, you know, it, it, the condition is Jesus. Yeah, but if you think about it, if we all, all come under one name, what do we have? We have unity. How bad does our world today need unity? How bad does our world need inclusiveness? And it comes with the gospel. The answer for a lost, dying, broken, tired world is Jesus and his church. His name is what we need. The missional nature of the church, and this is why our vision as a church has never looked so good. And I want to talk about it, but the church is called to rise up and be the place where the answer, Jesus, is discovered by people. See, if people walk in the doors of our church and they don't encounter Jesus or they don't uh, hear the word Jesus or the name Jesus, they don't encounter people that love Jesus, then we've missed it. The missional nature of the church, yeah, is to be the church, but it's, to, it's supposed to be the place where people come in and find answers in Christ. People come in, our world can come in the doors of the church, no matter where the church is. And hear the name Jesus, hear the gospel preached, hear grace talked about, hear salvation offered to people. And all of a sudden, lives change and the future looks good. So in the lead up to Heart for the House offering, our prayer is that Colonial would become part of the answer to the world's problems. That Colonial would become, Colonial Church would not just become a church that's insular and keeps to itself 
But no, we would be the type of church that faces outward and even on a global scale would take on that mantle of being the church and helping to spread the gospel to the world and see the lives, uh, see lives change, to pray for the nations, to send missionaries out, to support those missionaries, to support the work of incredible organizations, people that are on the ground and get aligned with those people globally because our, even though we act locally, we've got to think globally as a church. We've got to think about our world. We can, be, we can get so easily, this is what I love about traveling for a moment. I know, you know, we can't always just go and travel. It's such a dream, isn't it, just to go and travel, you know. It's great when you do that. But the one good thing about travel, I will say, is when you come back, you realize, oh, it's not just about me anymore. You come back in, you know, I literally traveled just for a few days this week. I got completely out of my world right here. I went out to, into the world. But I came back with this renewed focus, this renewed sense of, it's not just about me. It's not just about even our church. It's about what God is doing on a global scale. It's about what God is doing in the world today. The future has never looked so good. But our world has been in trouble for a long, long time. Let me show you a few verses. This is in Romans chapter 8. In verse 19, it says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For, for the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself, look at this, will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. So our world is in this fallen state. Our world is, is, is just in this in this state where there's decay, there's sin, there's, there's issues, there's ungodliness, there's people that need Jesus. There's a world out there that needs Jesus. There's 7.7 billion people on the planet. Just think about that for a second. That means to me, I read that and I'm like, man, we need a lot of great churches. We need a lot of amazing pastors we need incredible missionaries. We need people to, to, hear, to feel the heart of God and go to the nations and to, to, to go out into the world and tell them that the future never looks so good, that it is so amazing. So this morning I've got two points. I know. See how I'm back and back here? I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm keeping you all fresh. I don't want you to get stale. So two points this morning. Number one is this, the world needs a rescue. The world needs a rescue. It needs rescuing. There's always been this inner yearning in this world for a rescue. I love Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11. I use it all the time when I'm talking to people who don't know Jesus because a lot of people will say, well, why, why do I need God? And I say, you do need God, you just don't know it yet. And then there's a little struggle, maybe a conversation. I said, no, no, Ecclesiastes 3. Just, it's so important that you understand that God has put a void in your life that only he can fill. The love of a father that only he can give you. But our world needs a rescue. There's a, there's a sense that the world needs, is in desperate need of a rescue. It's been this way for a long, long time. In the book of Genesis, chapter 6, God makes a covenant with Noah. But look at what it says in verse 5. This was in Noah's day. It speaks about how there was a rescue that was needed. Because in verse 5, it says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, 
And he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. The world needs a rescue. The world needs God. The world is tired. The world is broken. The world is full of ungodliness. It is what it is. But instead of being the type of people that just throw it away and just say, oh, well, you know, there's nothing we can do. No, we need to understand the urgencies of, of the times. That, that the world needs God like never before. And has never been more ready for a rescue in Jesus' name. So point number one is the world needs a rescue. You know, this is something that we could look out into the world, you know, 7 billion people and see all this sort of stuff. But I think what God wants to do is he wants to bring it back to our own personal lives. Think about your own world. Think about maybe even your own family. I've got people in my own family that don't know God. Think about your, your, your workplace. Immediately, someone will pop into your head. And you're like, man, they need Jesus. You think about your, maybe a club you're a part of or maybe even in the school community where your kids go to school. It's the world needs a rescue. I met with this, I feel like, every single day. But as Christians, sometimes we can get so in a lane and so blinded by, by other things, by things that are in front of us where we forget that the people in our, just our, our, our small world around us need a rescue. So we can think on a global scale, but just think about your own world. Think about the people that are in front of you every day, people about the, the people that you're talking to all the time. The world needs a rescue. Your world needs a rescue. People need a rescue. So the point number one is the world needs a rescue, but you want the good news this morning? Come on, church, you want the good news this morning? I'm preaching doom and gloom, aren't I? Point number two, God has a plan. See, the world needs a rescue, but the good news today is that God has a plan. He has a plan. And the plan's name is Jesus. It's Operation Jesus. The mission has a name, and his name is Jesus. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our friend. He's amazing. But most of all, understand today, he is the Savior of the world. He is the one that has the answer. He is the answer. The cross is the answer. The resurrection power is the answer. This is God's plan. Someone wrote a song called God's Plan. They got it wrong. God's plan is God's plan. It's not a song. It's God's plan. His name is Jesus. But here's the key for us today. And this is why we're doing this series. This is why we're doing this on Vision Sunday. This is why we're doing this in this vision season. This is why we have heart for the house. Because what is coming up is so integral to all of us is that this plan involves all of us. I want you to think about it for a second. God's plan involves you. God's plan involves me. God has somehow, in all of his goodness, decided that he wants to use us. God somehow, some way, has decided that he wants to use you in his plan. His plan involves us. See, there's a participation requirement in this thing called Christianity, and it's called your calling. See, yeah, we get saved, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I've, it's so amazing. It's so amazing. But this is the great thing about God. He says, I've saved you. Now I need you to do something. <laughs> I've saved you. But now I need you to go to work. Salvation is yours. 
But hey, I need you to join this army. I need you to be part of this thing called the church. And that is your calling. In this deal called Christianity, there is a requirement to participate. You ever thought sometimes in your own walk with Jesus, you're like, man, this is cool. You know, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm good. I don't really need to talk to anyone about this. I'll be honest this morning. I've been there. In my own life, I've just been like, you know, I could just take the easy route. But the Holy Spirit has an amazing way of convicting our hearts. Has an amazing way of spotlighting people in our world that are hurting. Putting a spotlight on people that are maybe in a place in their lives where they don't know Jesus, they're directionless, and somehow God has placed you right next to them. God has a plan, and his plan involves you. His plan involves me. Is this good this morning? Paul said it this way in 2 Timothy. As a reminder to his young charge and therefore now us as a church, he says this in verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. It's an all-in deal. Share in the suffering. But he goes on, he says, who saved us, the power of God, who saved us, and called us to a holy calling. That's your purpose. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace. Here's a thought today. Your purpose is God's purpose. Your purpose on this earth, if you're wondering, is God's purpose. And his purpose is to see people come into a relationship with him. His own purpose and grace. But it goes on. It says, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and life and immortality to, to bring light through the gospel. Here's a thought I could love it if, you'd, if you could write this down. There is currently a rescue mission in progress. There's currently a rescue mission going on. In our lifetime, in this day, in this age, at this time, God is rescuing people. He, is, he has put his plan into action. The operation is active right now. The army has been sent out and the rescue mission is in process. We're a part of the answer. We're a part of the answer. And I hope you can understand this morning, I'm gearing our church towards this answer. I'm trying to get our community, and I, and I want to lead our community in this way. This is Jill and I. We have a passion for the lost. We have a passion to see people come into a saving knowledge of Jesus, to see people understand and acknowledge, I need Jesus. I need him. I love Diego's message this week. Did anyone hear Diego's message on Tuesday night? If you didn't hear, if you weren't here, obviously, if you're not a young adult, you wouldn't have been there. Um, go to the YouTube and watch it. But he boiled it down to one thing, and it's simply this. I need Jesus. I need Jesus every minute. I need Jesus every moment. I need Jesus in my day. I need Jesus tomorrow. I need Jesus next week. But most of all, I need Jesus right now. That's amazing. But we're a part of the answer, and this is what I'm believing our church will be and will continue to be, part of the rescue mission. There was a great missionary called Charles Studd. This guy, pretty cool name by the way, hey. But along with some of the other guys that I just loved learning about and 
I get so inspired by some of these guys like Smith Wigglesworth that were such pioneers, faith pioneers. Some of them were, were, were healing, faith healers. Some of them were amazing missionaries and went off and did amazing things. But this guy, Charles T. Studd, was a son of a wealthy financier in London in the late 1800s. And this guy was just sold out for Jesus. His father was saved in a, in a moody meeting and he was raised with an understanding of an urgency when it comes to the gospel. And he went on and he went out to, he was a missionary in China. I mean, could you imagine being a missionary in China in that time? And then also in Africa, he started a couple of organizations that are thriving, amazing, faith-filled, amazing organization in those countries that are still exist to this day. But he had a passion for the lost. And he, and he said this quote, I want to put it up on the screen, I want you to soak it in. He said, some want, to live with, some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. He says, I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. And I don't know about you, but that doesn't mean necessarily you need to go straight over to the mission field today, go straight to the airport and jump on a plane. This is what he's saying. He's saying, I want to have a passion for the lost. I want to see people in my world see, meet Jesus. I want to be the type of person that at any moment can speak to someone in a cafe or a school line or some, some random, so-called random place and see that person wonder Jesus and not go to eternity without him. I love it. I'll read it again. Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell, i.e. be comfortable. But I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. I want to be the type of person that is passionate about the lost. I want to lead the type of church that's passionate about people getting saved. I want to be the type of pastor that leads a church where people get excited when people say yes to Jesus. That's the type of church we are, FYI. We are the type of church that we get uncomfortable for the sake of the lost. We are the type of church that will go to certain lengths to see people come in those doors and meet Jesus. We will be the type of church when it comes to generosity, we will sacrifice to build a church that sees people come in. That's the type of church we are. Come on, can we give God some thanks for who He is? He has a plan. And His plan involves you and His plan involves me. This is what we're called to as a church. I want you to think about this for a minute. You were rescued. You were rescued. There was a plan that was approved, a team that was dispatched for you to encounter the love of God firsthand. There was a team that was sent out. God approved the plan. People were positioned in place for you to encounter Jesus. You were rescued. I was rescued. My own testimony with getting saved is absolutely, the, it is undoubtable to me that God sent a team. He approved a plan. He put people in place for me to meet with him. I was rescued. You were rescued. But I wonder today if you would surrender again to join the great rescue mission on the earth today called the great plan of salvation. The great plan of salvation for the lost, for the tired, for the broken. Think about this, for the people that don't even understand. 
This is a hard one for us because in our human nature, the way we uh, uh, operate, the way we are, we try to think, well, if that person isn't saying all the right things or isn't being receptive to what I'm trying to say, then, then they're not ready yet. And we don't need to worry about them yet. But you know, that might just be the beginning stages. It might be the first seed. We have absolutely no idea when God's going to bring the harvest for that person's life. All our job is, is to sow a seed. All our job is, is to be part of the rescue mission. But this is why we exist as a church. This is why we have vision for the future. This is why God has positioned us here in St. Augustine, Florida, in this part of the world, in the northeast part of our state, in the United States, in the world. This is why God has put us here. It's not so we can just have some friends. I love having friends. Friends are good. Having people to hang out with is good. I like standing around the grill. It's good. I like to watch football with my buddies. It's good. But there's a bigger thing going on here. And I think it's time for some of us to surrender to that. To lean into that, you know, to just drop what we're doing and say, God, I'm in. Whatever you want me to do, I'm in. You want me to give more sacrificially, which I know in my heart I'm supposed to, then I will. You want me to join the serving team so I can welcome lost and dying and hurting people into our church on a Sunday morning? I will. Are you asking me to, to get out of my comfort zone and be part of a community where I could maybe go to a connect group and finally respond to that invitation that I've got five times? To go and sit in someone's living room and hear someone's story and then all of a sudden be in a position to encourage them and show them the love of God that they desperately needed in that moment, then Lord, I will. We are part of this plan. We are part of this rescue. And this is why we are the answer. To be part of the church, to join the army, to join the chorus that's going on. Team, you can join me. To move in a Christ-like way towards people. You know, sometimes we can sit and we can say, well, why aren't they coming to church? Why aren't the lost walking in here today? Why aren't these people that need Jesus coming in here today? You know why? Because we need to go to them. Because they are in our world every single day when we're not in here. When we're in the line at the shopping center. When we're going to, to meet with friends and all of a sudden someone comes into the room and then that you can tell in a moment they're not Christians. What am I doing here? God put you right there. He put you right there because you are part of the rescue mission. We're called to be the answer for this world because the future's never looked so good for this world. And I don't know about you, but I'm excited for it. I'm up for the challenge. I share this with our kingdom builders and I'm kind of going to finish with this, but we had an amazing Kingdom Builders yesterday, and for the last time we met at Kingdom Builders, I was sharing a little bit about my heart for the vision of our church. And I said this. I said, there are people out there today. This is true right now. There are people out there today in our city that one day, if we rise up, if we have faith, if we believe together, if we build God's church alongside Him, there are people out there today that don't know Jesus that will know Jesus. 
And there are people out there today that are probably sitting in their homes, going about their life completely um, unaware that there's a church that's rising up. There's a people that are gathering together. There's a people that are deciding to be surrendered to what God wants. There are people that are are being mobilized by God. There's a rescue plan being put in place. There's an approval that's coming by God to send people out into their world. There's people in our city that don't know Jesus. They're going to come into our church and be completely sold out for Him, radically changed. That's coming. But we need to be the type of people that are sold out to it. We need to be the type of people that are like, I'm all in God. Because the future never looks so good for those people. But they don't know it yet. It's not our job to tell them, point, point at them and say, you need to it's just to show them the love of God. Preach a free and clear gospel. Let them know that God loves them. You know, probably everyone in here has heard of the Salvation Army. And I don't know about you, but I just get so inspired to read some of these stories about William and Catherine Booth. And people know the Salvation Army. Just give me a wave. The Salvation Army is one of the largest social aid organizations on the planet. And the whole idea behind it was that we take the message of the gospel to people that were lost, tired, dying, and broken, to the streets to the places, to the highways and the byways, not necessarily the wealthiest parts of the world, but the people who were behind helping the Salvation Army rise up were actually wealthy people, people that had money, people that wanted to finance the future vision of the kingdom. See, those people are actually very, very important. But they were reaching people and they had this amazing strategy. The Salvationist William Booth and his wife in the streets of London, this is their, their strategy was soup, soap, salvation. Come on, can we give God some praise? So we want to feed people, meet their immediate physical need. Help them right where they're at. Help them just maybe take the next step, which is to just get cleaned up, get some help. Little hand up, soup, soap, salvation. Come into God's kingdom. Come into the vineyard. It's amazing, but it's a rescue mission. I love the story of the Salvation Army because people were being mobilized. Today, there are some 2 million people that call themselves members. I was reading that there are literally tens and tens of thousands of ministers. And, but it was all based around this one principle was we're going we're gonna to be part of the rescue. We're going to be part of the army that goes out into the world with, with the idea of soup, <laughs> soap, and let's talk to them about Jesus. Let's be the type of people that rise up and say, I want to be part of this army. I want to be part of this salvation mission. I want to be the type of person that that lives for something bigger than myself. Doesn't matter how much money I make. Doesn't matter how much stuff I have. I want to be part of the greatest rescue mission that has ever been instituted in our world ever. It's called the gospel. And it's through His church. Come on, would you stand with me? I want to pray for some people this morning. And this is going to be a little bit different. But I don't care. I'm fired up. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you. 
and empowered you in all that God's got for you, why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed. Thank you.